When you look back, I wonder, what did you expect your marriage to be like? I mean, we all have these pictures before we get married. I know for for Dina and me, she had one set of expectations about kind of what the rhythms of life would look like. I had a set of expectations about how easy it might be, and uh, it doesn't always turn out quite the way we picture it. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Aaron Smalley. They're in charge of our marriage department here, and uh, Aaron, I wonder if you can give a quick example of how you thought marriage might look um, before you got married. I expected, well, I was marrying, you know, the son of Dr. Gary Smalley, and he was a Christian, and we were going to have just, we were going to ride off into the sunset in total bliss. And clearly, (laughs) maybe more now than at the beginning, (laughs) you know, so really, I believe believe that it was going to be easy when you find the right one and that, you know, there wouldn't be conflict. I mean, conflict was for people who didn't love Jesus and, you know, on Mm -hmm. and on and just recognizing that no, 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 no. We all have conflict and marriage is always work. It doesn't matter who you marry. There will always be work to be done to grow a good relationship. Well, to hear an illustration of expectations that got shattered in a really uh, difficult way, let's go ahead and return now to a conversation that Jim Daly and I had with Bill and Vicki Rose. They've been married for a number of years. At one point, though, in the relationship, they almost got a divorce. And uh, let's go ahead and hear now as they describe how they fell in love and what followed. Bill, you're coming from this really strong, overindulged household, it sounds like. Yankee fans all the way. All the way. All the way. And uh, But talk about how you met, and you got these two type A personalities coming together. What was the scene like in which you met as young Bill and young Vicky? Well, I was with walking with a friend of mine. Actually, his name was John Schnall. I, don't, I didn't forget. And I knew him when, from the high school I went to in New York. And I saw this girl walk out of my parents' building. And I said to him, she's pretty cute. I wonder who she is. And he said, I think her name is Vicki Gage. I said, how do you know that? And he, he said, because, you know, I went to BU. She was, she was at Pine Manor, and they had run into each other. So the last name sounded familiar. So I asked my mom to find out if she was related to Sue Gage, who was a friend of my mom's. And it turned out to be her niece. Huh. And uh, she said, but don't bother calling. She's going out with this like hippie guy from the village. And, and <laughs> so forget the whole thing. So I did. And then a year later, Sue Gage called back and said, they broke up. Have them call. Oh. <laughs> and, and that's tight. That's and, information traveling quickly. Right. And that's that's what happened. And you went out, and did you fall in love then, or did it take time, or what happened? No, it was pretty quick. Um, our first date, where did we go our first date? Our first date, Billy took me to this very fancy place in New York called Look Club. Oh, yeah. Oh, Look Club, was, yeah. yeah. It was a pri- private d- dinner dancing place, um, and it's actually where I first met George Steinbrenner. Right. It was, was in the club. And then um, for our second date, I took her to a Ranger hockey game and then to the 21 Club for dinner. Um, so you're pretty impressed with what oh, your yes. needs were. I was, yes. I was, was, I was a good I, date. He was a great date, and I had been dating uh, an artist, starving artist, and we didn't go on dates like that. So yeah, this right. was very 
So that was impressing you at the time. It was very impressive. And then finally, you popped the question. Uh, George Steinbrenner, the owner of the Yankees, was at your wedding. Is that right? He was. It was a small wedding, too. It was. Yes. Um, What happened? It was a small wedding, partly because, well, when I was 10, even though my family was Jewish, we joined a church. So my dream had always been to get married in the church. And I remember sitting with Billy and his family having a conversation about uh, where our wedding would take place right after we had become engaged. And his parents said, there is no way you two are getting married in a church. Everyone, Vicki, knows you're Jewish, and it would just be a total farce. So no, we will not hear of it. And so um, we ended up having a small wedding in my father's living room. Um, now, how and soon? And Billy wore his Yankee tie. <laughs> Which <laughs> must have impressed you. <laughs> Not really, huh? Uh, but where did it start getting rough? What happened? Uh, was it a year into it or quickly, days? How did you realize, okay, we might be in, in a bit of trouble relationally? I would say within the first year, um, my emptiness and my unhappiness and our differences. We are so different. I love to go out and do things, and Billy loves to watch sports a lot on TV. And so as as that, you know, as we started having week, you know, we'd both work all week, and then we'd get to weekends, and I'd want to go do something, and Billy was really happy watching sports Just on TV. vegging. Right. <laughs> and so, and also realizing that this wasn't the answer. Well, let's talk about that because you you mentioned that in your book. There's just this need to uh, have certain needs met, and it wasn't there for you. Right. And, and that was driving you to a conclusion that maybe he's the wrong guy or what? It was driving me to the conclusion that I was really unhappy. And maybe it was Billy. Maybe it was I wasn't sure. But it was becoming clear to me that this thing that I thought would solve everything hadn't. Uh, Vicky, so many, and I, I would say men and women, but so many women are resonating with what you're saying because they're expecting more in the relationship. And guys, we tend to get away with not doing what we should do because we are all pretty comfortable watching sports on the weekend. Um, not everybody, I know not everybody watches sports, but talk about that, Vicky. What, what was in your heart? What was really missing at that time and all the needs that you had that you're expecting Bill to to meet. What I have come to learn now, many, many, many years later, and we have been married almost 40 years, is that my husband and anyone else's husband was not created to meet all my needs and, and fill all my longings. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And so putting my husband and putting any husband in the position of being savior is not gonna work. Huh. And he's going to, I'm always going to be disappointed if that's who I think he's supposed to be. How did that manifest itself? I mean, it had to be more than just we're not spending time on the weekends together. What were some other things where Bill was not meeting that expectation? Sorry to do this to you, Bill. <laughs> that, that's okay. It's in the <laughs> you're, book. You're kind of speaking for all guys at this point. But, Vicki, I think men struggle to understand hey, I can't be all that to you. I'm not your girlfriend. Right. And we didn't understand any of that then that we now understand a little better um our communication was not great we didn't know how to have a good fight we didn't know how to fight fair we just you know i blamed him he blamed me we just clammed up and you know walked out we we didn't have any tools we had no tools whatsoever um 
into how to have a good marriage. Yeah. And, and of a course, good marriage doesn't mean there's no disagreement. And we also had misconceptions. Mm, a good yeah. marriage doesn't mean there's no disagreement. A good marriage doesn't mean we agree about everything because we still don't a lot of the time. A good marriage means that we respect one another, that we respect our differences, we work through our issues, and we're still doing that right. at 40, almost 40 years. We don't have it all figured out. But one thing I do know is that Billy's not meant to be everything for me. And that's a real eye-opener. Yes. And a lot of newlyweds need to understand that. And certainly yes. pre-married uh, couples, it, the sooner they understand that, the healthier their relationship is going to be. Well, some really insightful stuff from Bill and Vicki. And uh, Greg, following up on what Jim was saying there, is it possible for newlyweds to really let go of those unrealistic expectations? I mean, if so, how? What's the key? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think the the best way to explain this and how we let go of unrealistic expectations is to share a story. So recently, Aaron and I, I think we've probably shared this before, we were trying to move a, a, an office chair that Aaron had purchased from the hallway into our office. Very simple you would have thought. Um, <laughs> somehow, though, it erupted into this huge argument as we tried to do this. And th there were other reasons. But what struck me, though, is that my expectation is that when Erin, my wife, asks me for help, that she will talk to me in a nice, very kind way. Like there's, if I'm helping you, you've asked me for help, then you better treat me with, with kindness. And so what happened was is that you know, that didn't quite work out. She got frustrated. We get into this this argument. And, and again, I I was so like appalled going, I'm the one helping you. How why why are you mad at me? Why are you yelling at me? Why why are you speaking unkindly to me? And I imagine if you interviewed Aaron, she'd have a little different perspective of this. That'll be another episode. Well, I'm the sure. truth of what happened. <laughs> but all I'm saying is that what struck me is that that, that was a part of my expectation. That doesn't mean that it's realistic or not. And so how couples can really begin to, to work through expectations is you have to, one, become aware of what is my expectation. And so for me, that literally was it, that I felt that, okay, if I'm being all helpful, then you better then turn around and speak to me in a very gentle, kind, caring way. Mm -hmm. Like if two friends would talk to each other. And the, the problem is... Is that really realistic or not? Yeah. And so part of it is not only being aware of what that is, but then sort of for me evaluating, is that realistic or not? Because, you know, Aaron is human. And and just because I think it's going to lay out one way and, and she's going to be nice to me if I'm helping her doesn't mean that that's realistic or not. It's probably even to evaluate that, that's pretty unfair mm of me to expect that just because I'm helping that she's going to then turn around and, and be able to treat me in this really nice and kind way yeah. that eliminates just her humanity and, and stuff that's going on for her. Because, right, there was a whole host of, of reasons why you didn't necessarily talk to me. 
in a really nice and kind way because by by saying by going back and thinking about what was my expectation in that being aware of that then i can always ask her is that realistic or not so aaron when you ask me to help you is it fair then to expect that you're always just going to be gentle and kind and the way that you're treating me as i'm helping you yeah never in a hurry never irritated never have a low blood sugar or you know, right. so it's just, it's just, I like what you're saying because it is putting it out there that, so I'm going to help you do this. Is this a realistic expectation? This is how I think things are going to go. And it may or may not go like that. And so it's just recognizing we have these hopes and expectations of how things will lay out and they may or may not happen. Well, and similarly, you had expectations about his help and what that would look mm-hmm, like. That the, and, the back and, of the chair wouldn't keep falling off yeah. and <laughs> that he wouldn't be coaching or um, directing. directing. That's yes. the right word, John. Telling Thank you. you. I was telling telling her, me how to lift, lift the chair. Lift your legs. We yes. have to pick this thing if up If only you desk. had submitted to his directions. <laughs> now, that's a previous episode. I'm joking. But you might I, not want to use that We one. have that, though. I mean, it, you, you come together thinking, well, I made the miscalculation one time. Dina went off for a weekend, and I thought, this hallway needs painting. I painted it kind of a brightish yellow, thinking that might lighten things up. (laughs) She walked in and said, yick. And the next day, she started covering it up, and it was like, okay, that was an unrealistic expectation on my part because she has ideas about this. I shouldn't paint without you know, asking her first. She just went away this past weekend. I felt the freedom to move the sofa because that didn't involve repainting. She walked in and said, wow, I like that. When I can do small things and have a realistic expectation, my actual expectation was, well, maybe she'll just say, could you move that back? I really like it where it was. Fine. You're good. Fine. And I think that's the point is that, honestly, it's you're only going to uncover these expectations probably when something goes wrong. And it's when we're in an argument or we're disconnected just to settle back and go, okay, what was my expectation in this moment? Because I, I, I could have never verbalized in a million years, when Erin asks for my help, she will treat me in a very kind and respectful way. you know. But yet that's why I got all offended. Yeah. And when I wasn't being treated that way for very good reasons, I, I still got all put out. And so I dropped the chair and I stormed out oh. of the office. That went well. But that was all based on what I expected she should be doing while I'm helping her. And that's what's unfair about that is to to think that thus it's true. Mm-hmm. Thus, that's the right realistic expectation versus thinking about it. Okay, I went, yeah, okay, that's why I was so bent out of shape is because I just assumed and hoped she would treat me with kindness as I'm helping her. To actually then put that out there, it, it just, it, it one, I mean, just simply me saying that out loud to myself kind of went, okay, that's stupid. I mean, that that's unrealistic. Yeah. But then to give her an opportunity to go, well, my heart would be to treat you that way. But in this situation, I was stressed. I was late. I knew clients were waiting and I just got overloaded and I, and I reacted. And, and so it just, it it's a great exercise to go back to a spouse in that way. And I would say any conversation you're having or interaction that you walk away frustrated, it's just going back to why am I frustrated? What's really going on here? What was I hoping for? What was it that I really wanted? Yeah. Because that will reveal your expectation. 
Well, we want to help you avoid those moments of frustration because of unrealistic expectations. Of course, we can't be there all the time, but some things that might help would be uh, a copy of Bill and Vicki Rose's book, Every Reason to Leave, which illustrates through their experiences and their stories uh, some of those trigger points and some of the reactions that so many couples go through. Uh, donate today to the ministry, support what we do, make a monthly pledge or a one-time gift, and we'll send a copy of Bill and Vicki's book to you. And uh, we'll have details in the episode notes. And then take our free marriage assessment. That just opens your eyes to some of the things that you're both feeling, experiencing, thinking, expecting, and it'll be very helpful to you. It's free. Uh, the details are in the episode notes. We'll hear from Matt and Lisa Jacobson next time as they discuss simple ways to strengthen your relationship. And for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, thanks for joining us for this episode, which we're calling The Chair Incident, and plan to be with us next time for the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. 